Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello everyone and welcome to Blogging Theology. Today I'm delighted to talk to Dr. Tarek Ramadan. You're most welcome, sir. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Thank you for your invitation. It's fantastic to have you on. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Tarek Ramadan is Emeritus Professor of Contemporary Islamic Studies at the University of Oxford and a prolific author. Now, we've witnessed the rise of right-wing populist movements in Scandinavia, Italy and Germany. And France has been much in the news recently with the decision to ban the wearing of abayas in schools. Uh, Dr. Tarek has kindly agreed to discuss the way forward for Muslims in Europe and to share his reflections on the contemporary situation. So perhaps we could begin our discussion with France. The issue of Muslims' women's dress seems to be extremely important to the French state. Why is this? And could you tell us a bit about the French concept of laïcité, which I think is a key idea in that country? Yeah, Bismillah Thank you. I think that uh, uh, just before coming to, to France, there is something that you said which is very important for all of us about the rise of the uh, extreme right and the far right parties and ideologies. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's not only about the parties. The parties could be demonized in many countries, but at, at the end of the day, what we see is the spreading of these ideas and this understanding of us versus them. Mm -hmm. and making the Muslims them, the other. So this is the new concept of uh, otherness that uh, sometimes is played uh, with, and some Muslims, unfortunately, are falling into the trap, saying, oh, you know, we, are, we have our uh, specificities and we don't want to mix, and, and we come back to our uh, very, narrow, very narrow understanding of Islam. Now, you know, for many years, my idea was that Europe is going to have an influence on France about, you know, the way France was dealing with the greatest Muslim community in the West, because proportionally it's the biggest one, even much more than in the United States and any other European country. So I think that we have to understand what is happening, because now what is happening is that France is influencing the other Western countries, and you were speaking about, you know, far-right parties, but look at what is happening even uh, with Trump and, and what was with Bush and even, uh, you know, within the, the, the American society, you have the same idea spreading yeah. around. You can have a new president, Biden, or whatever, Democrat president, but at the end of the day, the, 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 the idea that Islam is a problem, that Islam is the religion of the other. Uh, is something which is widespread. And we need to get this because it's not only about us. It's about the mindset that you have in the West when it comes to politics, emotional politics, building everything on fear and losing ideas and bringing emotions. And we are the object of this emotional rejection that we can see in the West without even knowing about Islam because they don't even know about their own uh, religion and they, 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 they don't know about what Islam is all about. And we are not here really within the society to bring this idea. So now if you come to France and you get this understanding, you understand that, yes, they are always speaking about laicity and speaking about uh, uh, the, the, the fact that Islam doesn't fit with the laïcité system in France. So, uh, Dr. Tuck, could you just kindly just define this word laïcité because it has an interesting um, uh, et etymology, yeah. doesn't it? Yes, it's, it's in fact, it's the French way of speaking about uh, secular and secularism is the division between state and church 
this is the beginning of the whole story. But you know, the secularization process in the West was everywhere. Now, laicity is the French way of institutionalizing it within the legal system. Right. It's something which is very specific. Uh, but at the end, they are now telling us this is the French exceptionalism. But in fact, it's not really true because I have been working for 20 years with the uh, best specialists on the ground about the secular uh, uh, legal system or the laïcité as the French understood it within their own tradition. And what they are telling us, and this is why it's important to reconnect this with what you were talking about, the rise of the far-right parties, is the reading of laïcité has nothing to do with the legal uh, uh, system and the legacy of laïcité, because you had scholars, one of the most important was Jean Jaurès, a socialist uh, uh, political figure at the beginning of the 20th century, saying, we are not against religion. In fact, laïcité means that the state does not recognize a specific religion, and there yeah. is an equal distance between the state yeah. and all the religions. You mentioned the beginning of the 20th, 20th century there. There was a law, was there not, in 1905, which exactly. actually, uh, uh, codified this in, in law. Um, and having read uh, a brief bits of that law, it, it doesn't seem to have this kind of anti-religious kind of heavy secularist bias against religion that we seem to see today. So the idea of laïcité, you're saying, I think, has evolved. It's mutated. It's not a static thing. It, it had a different form then than now. Would that be true? Yes, it's a rereading of this uh, law and the articles of the law. And even the Conseil d'État, the state council, in the, the, at the end of the 80s was saying there is nothing uh, in the headscarf against this the the like system as they were calling it, the the unlaicity, they changed the law and you know for years they were telling us you Muslims you want to change our identity and to change the law of the land and I was involved in this discussion saying no we just want you to implement the law in a fair way with all the religions and all the citizens. We don't have a problem with uh, the like system or, or the secular system. We abide by the law of the country and the law is not telling us mm. that in order to be true citizens, we should uh, become invisible because at the end of the day, the key of the whole thing is that they keep on repeating in France that integration has failed and mm. then visibility of the Muslims means that they are not ready to integrate, which means for some to assimilate, meaning to become invisible. Forget about your history, forget about your culture, forget about your memory, forget about who you are, and just be one of us by being now invisible. Wow. So the true French Muslim, it's an invisible Muslim. It means the obliteration of Muslim identity in the name of the Republic. And exactly. what has it got to do with the original definition of laicite, the 1905 law? As you, exactly, you, have, you get the point. This means that it's exactly not, it's a rereading of the law by saying, in fact, what I have been trying to repeat for now more than 30 years, really? the integration process worked. Muslims now are French Muslim citizens, they abide by the law. And the fact that they are now getting out of the social ghettos within which you put them when the, the parents and the primal migrants uh, arrive, means that now they are socially and culturally integrated. The problem that you have is that because they were far from the public arena, the public scene, uh, far from your media, far from their being visible, That's that was fine. You don't want to see them. But now that they are getting out with their uh, uh, language and they speak French as you speak French, they are now uh, respecting the, the law of the land. And more than that, they are confident with their own memory and their own religion this is where you are now starting to say, oh, we failed. In fact, no, that's the other way around. From a, a religious perspective, today the Muslims have no problem with the article in, in the law of uh, 1905. 
We have a problem with your reading of the law today uh, being now read through an ideological uh, 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 prism uh, and, and trying to change the law by saying now the, the, lai the laicity has a problem with Islam per se, even one who is yeah. going to run for presidency is saying we will need a specific law for the Muslims. We wow. are getting that. Extraordinary. I mean, the couple of things here that just strike me is, uh, um, is one is is old fashioned racism. How much is racism actually a factor here? We talk about religion and ICT, but you know, how much are we actually dealing with racism? I mean, France has a history of this during the Second World War, during the Vichy regime, of course. Many Jews were literally rounded up in Paris, elsewhere, and shipped off or, uh, by train rather to concentration camps and gas and this is so this is part of the french history very uncomfortable to mention there's a lot of french people don't want to mention the treatment of jews in the past but you know it, it's the very treatment of minority religious groups in that in in the country which is at stake here and ha has france really purged itself of racism actually beneath this i mean officially of course it has officially it's condemned uh, absolutely but at a popular level is that really an issue still bubbling away beneath the surface do you think I think it's everywhere, and this is why we have to be quite clear on the issue. And, and, and even when Muslims are speaking about Islamophobia, they have to come back to something which is a type of racism. Racism against Muslims is a, a new type of racism, meaning that we are targeted because we are Muslims, as Muslims, and being Muslims beyond any other characteristics. It's the only fact that you are Muslim. It's happening in many other countries. It's even happening, unfortunately, in Muslim-majority countries when you are a practicing Muslim. Mm -hmm. Now, in France, there is something which is a very wrong history of colonialism. You cannot understand anything which has to do with two factors. The first one was religion, the, the very historical struggle and conflict between the French state and the Catholic Church. And this is something which was part of even the, 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 the law of uh, 1905. That, that's the very essence of a conflict that yes, where the yes. Muslims were not there, but this was between the Catholic Church, the Jews and the Protestants. And, and, and it's there that uh, Muslim came afterward within this uh, 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 you know, field of historical tensions. Mm -hmm. Now, the second thing is that you can't. So, so there is a history of conflict between state and religion in France. Add to this the colonial history, uh, the relationship with Algerian. You know, Algerian, when even France was colonizing uh, Algeria, they were subjects of, of the republic's uh, uh, second-class citizen. So mm. all of a sudden, through you know decades, these old second-class citizens are becoming French, mm. and they speak French, but they don't have the right color. So they can be you know Arabs or black people because at the same time you can't forget the very presence of you know Africans and Sub-Saharan Africans in 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 France who are facing racism. So there is this double factor now. Not only you are Arabs, not only you are black people, but plus you are Muslims and, and you are not part. So it's fine when it's the, the football team, it's fine when it's about music, yeah. it's fine when it's about culture, but yeah. it's not fine when it's about social justice and politics. It's not fine when it comes to 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 deal with ideas and to challenge the you know dominant ideologies in France today so while we are talking about this I want the people who are listening to us not only to think oh France is a specific case I'm sorry I thought this for many years now what I can see is that this mindset is in Sweden, is in Denmark, is in Britain, is in the United States of America. And if you are not clear about what are the priorities of our presence in the West, because at the end of the day, I keep on repeating this. I'm not only facing racism. I'm not only facing Islamophobia. This is, you know, the box within which they want to put us in order to be on the defensive and only on the defensive and, and, and wasting our time saying, oh, Islam is not about this. It's not, uh, Islam is not about that. We are nice. We are good. We are ready. So we should be a, a positive and added factor.
agent of you know understanding and knowledge and, and, and peace within our countries. And if we don't deal with far-right parties, if we don't deal with this ideology of fear and we don't understand that they are putting us in a situation where we are nurturing fear through our reaction to the fear of our fellow citizens, we are not going to solve the problem. No, and in Germany, uh, the right-wing party alternative for Germany is experiencing a surge in popular support. And there was an opinion poll I read recently, I think it was in July, which showed that it's now second place, the second most popular party in Germany. Um, now, that is shocking because just a year ago, it was a, a small minority party. And this, this party has its roots in uh, in True. Germany's past, shall we say. Uh, and, and there's a very good chance, I, I think it's likely, that in, in France... Uh, uh, Marianne Le Pen will quite probably win the presidential election next time and around. You see, uh, uh, Paul, this is the point. She was running second for the last two elections, yeah. and we were very happy. Or at least, you know, uh, uh, she is not the president. But as I was saying, if you look at the discourse of the the current president and yeah. the, the the home uh, minister or the, min, uh, the you know the government you can say okay look it might be that she lost the election but we she won the the battle of ideas and spreading her ideology everywhere to the point that everyone now you know this you have we went from headscarf to abeya to burkini to every time there is a new controversy and and all this under you know the umbrella reference to uh, to uh, terrorism so muslims are you know potential terrorists practicing muslims are suspected of being or going that way now we have political islam and we took even the concept of separatism from china and the Uyghur saying, you know, Uyghur, China is saying about the Uyghur, they are separatists. They want to split the country. They want to distance themselves from the, 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 the common destiny of Chinese. And this is exactly what we hear in France today. Said the same rhetoric. Say, okay, look, that's, that's going very far. But I think that we need to, to, to get this and to be intellectually equipped, spiritually uh trusting the very meaning of our presence in the west because there is a meaning of our for our presence in the west it just strikes me that there is uh, i was speaking speaking to a, a friend of mine recently and he was very pessimistic about the future of muslims in europe and he he specifically referenced the 1930s uh and, and the experience of jews and that was a very grim prognosis indeed um, and he only th see things getting worse. And we had a long discussion about it. And he had a, you know, he could be wrong. Um, but if, you know, God forbid, you know, Marie Le Pen wins the next presidential election, if, God forbid, alternative Germany comes to power, and let alone the other far right parties that are just on the edge of power, if you like, in Sweden and Denmark and so on, um, then we will be in a very interesting, very, very new situation, which which will be um, exis an existential threat to Muslims in, in, in Europe, don't you think? I, I don't think so. I'm, I'm okay. not I'm, I'm not pessimistic, even though I'm not, you know, I'm cautiously, uh, cautiously op uh, 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 optimistic in, in, in the way where, you know, what we are experiencing now, and I, 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 I really think that the situation is quite bad throughout Europe. And it's not so good, as I said, in Australia, in New Zealand, whatever we are saying about this, or in the United States of America. So in the West as a whole, the situation is quite worrying. And we have to be now uh, ready, not for, you know, a kind of, uh, you know, the uh, final solution. They are going to get that and we are going to be, we are already targeted. The problem is that it's true that there is a transnational movement yeah. Yeah. against uh, 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 the Muslim presence. But at the same time, our presence and the Muslim presence and the fact that if you look at the second, third, fourth, even fifth generation of Muslims throughout the West, and mainly, of course, because this is the, 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 the longer uh, uh, presence in the West, in France, you can see that more they are more and more equipped and they, the, the number is making a great difference. And demography is playing against 
the reality of the far right party because it's not the same as they can, they they did to the Jews uh, in the 30s. It's not the same. It's not the same uh, 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 reality. It's not the same uh, historical context, and we have to take this into account. Now, the point is, I can understand someone who is quite or become quite pessimistic. I can't understand someone being passive about the situation and, and, and being now we, we, we should understand that the situation is requiring us to be intellectually proactive, socially present in the way. And more importantly is to really deeply understand what we can provide the West with. Which is not only our positive presence and say, you know, we can. I, I'm nice. In fact, it's it's the spiritual gift that we have. It's it's really something which is important for us. It's the reconnection between us and the very presence of God. We need to make the West listen again, understand again, hearing again. People saying the very meaning of God in our life. So, so that's to just to avoid being on the defensive and make our presence a gift and not only a kind of ongoing justification uh, of our nice presence in the West. And, 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 and this is the challenge in, in uh, facing today uh, uh, the, the far-right parties and their rhetoric. And the irony is many of these far-right parties' rhetoric, at least, is pro-Christian identity, right. as identity rather than perhaps these spiritual riches of the Christian tradition, if you like. They're not talking about Thomas Aquinas sure. and Augustine and Thomas Aquinas, sure. are they? They're yeah. talking about, uh, you know, perhaps a more crusader identity, you know, uh, yeah. identity as the cross going into, into Jerusalem, you know, and all that stuff. Uh, but no, but you're talking about a very different kind of uh, spirituality. And I, I just have to have them on my desk, this book, The Messenger, The Meanings of the Life of Muhammad by yours uh, truly, which uh, I've read. And a, a beautiful uh, um, biography, obviously, of the Prophet Muhammad, upon whom be peace, speaking about precisely these kinds of spiritual reflections on, on his life, the significance of his life for us today. I do recommend that book, by the way, people want to read a good introduction to the, the spiritual realities of his life. Um but okay, I'm going to push back slightly here, just for the to be a little bit uh, critical of what you've just said. Is that enough, really? If if Muslims embody the values of Islam, charity, good neighbourliness, a theocentric view of life, charity, all the things that Muslims do, fasting and praying and so on, uh, and, and Muslims really overwhelmingly do do this, in my experience, in Britain, for example, it's fascinating to see that. Uh, I, I was told uh, that the first generation of Muslim migrants to this country, maybe in the 1950s, were not terribly practicing. Yeah, they may have built the mosques and institutions, but sure. they weren't that uh, zealous for their faith. Then we had um, the next generation, the fathers and um, mothers of today's youth, and they were more practicing. But today's youth, Birmingham, London, wherever I go, boy, are they practicing. They're much more practicing than their parents or their parents. And this is remarkable because it's the other way around with everyone else. Christian churches are emptying, they're secularizing, but Muslims are not. And this is a remarkable. And when I was in Germany recently, it's the same in Berlin, at least the same. I'm seeing the same thing there. But uh, my point to you is, is this enough? If if the state like the French state, Macron, bless him, if he is picking on Muslims all the time, if, if there are quite nasty, uh, deliberate attacks I was seeing uh, recently with Muslim dress, uh, the abaya in schools, is it enough simply to be a good witness to being good Muslims? Is not more required to somehow restructure this whole Aesite concept, which seems to be the problem here, because you mentioned the 1905 law, but that's not really what that law is about. How do we, how do they engage more actively, proactively against this quite aggressive secularism, which is pushing Muslims down. Yes, I, I think you're, you're right. My, my point was, um, you know, uh, this was now 20 years ago, I, I wrote a book called Western Muslims and the Future of Islam. Mm. And, and this book was really about a vision. And the vision means that 
we should bring to with our presence and to the table a vision of what do we want to achieve uh, in the West. And as you said, um, I heard a, a, a scholar saying the only thing that we have to do as Muslims is today, you have to to, to say good words to the people and this will change completely your um your the, the way people are looking at muslims that's not true it's yeah. you know it's it's not enough to be good and to spread uh, goodness and kindness and generosity and and the sense of a tawhid which is the very presence of god in our life this is the starting point this is something that we have to be it built our self-confidence in we are not in the West by accident. We are not in the West. We are, as you said, and you 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 chose the right word, witness. To be witness to your message before people. This is what we have to do. To be witness is not only to be kind, it's to be involved in, within the society and challenging and resisting the bad. Promote the good and resist the bad. So how do we do this? And this is where it's important within our society. And this is where the starting point of everything to have deep faith and real courage, real courage facing the challenges ahead, because we will need courage to face these challenges and to face this ideology of fear and people spreading. As I said, when it comes to the legal framework within which we are, and once again, it's not only in, in France. You know, I, I'm a Swiss citizen and the first party in my country is the far-right party. UDC is the first party. It's the first Swiss party and for now more than 10 years. So it's not only France and even Switzerland. Switzerland, it's quite, but it's deep at the same time. And, and, and this rhetoric about, you know, the Muslim presence and being influenced by France and other countries is there. So this is where we need to understand what is the meaning of being uh, a, a citizen and to be involved within the, the country. And there are three main fields where we have to struggle. There is an intellectual jihad. Mm -hmm. Intellectual jihad means be equipped, understand the challenges of your society, what they are talking about. And to do this, you are living in Britain and you know the history of your country. Too many Muslims living in the country, they don't even know the history, they don't know the challenges, they don't know the legal framework. How are you going to deal with the legal framework if you don't know the history, you don't understand where, where all this is coming from? And it's the same in France. You need to understand that in France, not all the citizens are against the Muslim presence. Right. Yes, there is a very, very deep and ongoing propaganda with the power, with the media, but still you have more and more fellow citizens asking question, not trusting the politicians, and they want to understand, this is where we have to be, this is the intellectual jihad we need, so be there. Where are these young Muslims? So, so, so we need much more people not ready to be behind a charismatic leader speaking for them. We need to have more and more people working and speaking on the ground. We have to end what I call the, 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 the wrong way for the silent majority to remain silent. And we have here this intellectual jihad. The second is really what you are talking about when it comes to the legal field. At the end of the day, Islam, it's, it's, it's a religion that is based on Tawheed and the first uh, uh, Islamic science is the legal framework, al-fiqh. The law and jurisprudence. We know how to deal with this. We have a long history of thinking about the legal. Where are we in this field? We have to come say, okay, look, at the end, uh, if we are true citizens and we have the same rights, you have to implement the law the right way for all. So there is this, there are discrepancies, there are, there is discriminations. And this is why also we have to, and, and, and put the right questions at the right place and say, okay, don't tell me that the main problem with women today is about abaya or the way they dress. It's about the same salary for the same competence, for the same work, if they are involved. This is what we think as Muslims. So to, to bring to, to the discussion something which is a bit new and, and much more based on the true ideals that we are sharing with our fellow citizens. And the last, uh, which is also very important as a, a, a jihad. So there is an intellectual, there is a legal jihad based on fair treatment and justice within the society and being able for us as well. As I said, I want to add this, 
that we are always with the victims. So when it comes to, you know, black people, racism, and, and we also have to be involved in this. Uh, look at our history, the history of Muslims, the recent history of Muslims in the United States of America, the split between the Arabs and the black people. They don't even work together. And, and, and they are saying in the name of the same God, but we don't have the same challenges in the society. I think, I think is wrong. And there is something else which is important uh, as well, which is the economic field. If we want to be uh, autonomous, if we want to be able to speak out without being dependent on, you know, uh, uh, countries and, and, and governments, we need to have spaces where we are uh, promoting uh, economic independence and financial independence within the country because they are playing with this. They are playing with the fact that we don't have this independence. And you can see now that there are Gulf states paying millions just to put down and to target some Western Muslims ready to speak about politics at the international level. And we need to get that if we don't do this within our societies, we are going to remain fragile and, and vulnerable uh, to uh, many political pressure. Yeah. I, I mean, there's so many things I could, thank you for that. Very, very interesting. There's so many things I could pick up on that. I, I Just one thing I want to ask, I've always been curious about this. It seems to me in the UK and and in America, there is a very rich dower scene. There are lots of people involved in dower. We've got the Akeen Institute in America. Amongst uh, in Britain, we've got IERA. We've got we've got Speakers Corner. You know, there are, there are a lot of kind of people who are well known online on TikTok. Um, whether or not they're scholars, but you know, we've got uh, Abdul Hakim Murad in Cambridge. We've got uh, I won't, won't go through a long list, but. It, Obviously, there are Islamic scholars in France. I mean, you're one of them. But but is is there is there this rich dawa culture engagement with with non-Muslims in social media on the street in the public square? Does this exist? I mean, I only know a tiny little part of France where I occasionally live, which is very very rural. There are no Muslims there, um, so I'm not really aware of what's going on in Paris or Bordeaux or Marseille or Lyon, whatever. What's your assessment of the dower scene in France? Uh, because I really don't know much about it. I don't think we know much about it in the UK either. Yeah, uh, I think we have to differentiate. And and as to the dawah and, you know, uh, imams and imams and young imams doing the job on at the grassroots level or on on social uh, network and, 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 and media, they are a lot. Lots right. of people are working and, and there is a long history. Uh, of uh, uh, young imams and, and doing the job and, and, and really being active at the local level, at the national level uh, between France and, and French-speaking countries in, in African uh, uh, African continent. All this sits there. The problem is that there is this dawah and calling and, and they are working and they are working quite well and, and, and they are very dynamic. You know, even even the most important uh, uh, conference uh, uh, gathering Muslims was in France for uh, until the just before the COVID. It was uh, 120,000 uh, uh, Muslims gathering uh, over a weekend and, and coming. It was even much more than than in uh, in Canada or in the United States of America. So there is a there was and still is a movement. Now there is a big pressure coming from uh, the government and targeting some of this uh, and everyone who is saying, you know, uh, the headscarf, it's an obligation or you have to remain faithful to your principles or go to the mosque. Very quickly, they are targeted and and and, uh, and stigmatized within the, the, the French, you know, um, uh, media or within the French uh, uh, political uh, um, um, uh, discourse, because this is also something that we have. Having said this, the gap and what we don't really, we do not have in, in France or in the French-speaking areas is what you have in the United States of America. It's not only Emma, but real scholar uh, intellectuals being able to deal with the you know intellectuals within the country so you you spoke about abdel hakim murad and there are so many uh, around in 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 the states or in britain yeah. and this is missing in france that That's level right. 
Of all countries, I mean, France is the country famous in Europe, you know, of the intellectual. It, it's it's a, a class which recognized and given esteem. And yet it is the, the voice, the distinctly Islamic voice with, your, with the, your good self being an exception seems to be missing, you're saying. This is missing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And, and the only one that they like are the one who are just repeating, you know, this is what the, I call in France the interactive monologue. You speak with yourself. So you have your uh, intellectuals or the, the so-called Muslims uh, and uh, or Muslim intellectuals, and they repeat what they want uh, uh, them to say uh, and they, what they are doing. Well, that, that's that's quite that's that's a huge lacuna, a huge omission. Yeah, actually, true, true. yeah, extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And I, I I do want to bring in because I, I spent a little bit of time in France and obviously here in the UK. There is a difference. I mean, women, girls, students wear the hijab, and there's simply not an issue as far as I'm aware at all. I never hear of an issue. Universities, if you're a nurse, doctor, doesn't matter what you are, everyone's fine, everyone's chilled. Really doesn't matter. But in France. That the popular view seems to be, well, women are oppressed. They're forced by men, Muslim men to put this stuff on. And I'm thinking, what, where does this weird idea, where does this trope come from? Because it's simply not there in Britain. And Britain is just 20 miles across the English Channel, as we call it, um, from Calais. And yeah. so there, there seems to be this kind of this urban myth in France, which is just like taken as axiomatic by everyone that Muslim women are oppressed and forced to wear Islamic clothing. Whereas we know, because Britain is equal to France in most indices of life, and we've got a Muslim population here in the millions, this is simply not true. Mm. Um, and so I'm just amazed that French have seemed to have digested, ingested this whopping lie. Um, and, and yet, in other respects, the French population are intelligent, reasonable people. It just—it's just striking. Is this—is it a blind spot they have about the truth? It just—is this a huge blind spot? But I, you know, it's it's very interesting because this is where there is this very lasting misunderstanding, even among uh, uh, British Muslims and French Muslims. And I will try to address your question, and I will end up with a question to you, in fact, by, by telling me what would be your assessment on this. Because what is true is uh, this, the visibility and the headscarf, all the visible signs, as this, they, 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 they talk about it in France, are just the target of, we don't want to see you, and this is true. And now there is this rhetoric about if you wear the headscarf, it means that you are oppressed by men and by the culture and whatever. Uh, that, that's the, the, the rhetoric we have. Now, we know it's happening and we know that they are targeting the Muslims in, in, in these way. And it's very uh, uh, confrontational. That, yeah. That's reality for the Muslims. And it's true that on the daily basis, it's easier to be a Muslim, a visible Muslim in the UK or even in the United States or Anglo-Saxon mm -hmm. countries. That's completely true. And... You can understand this also through the colonial history and legacy. The British, wherever they want, they didn't have a problem with the dress of the people in India or in Egypt or in Africa. That's fine. Do whatever you want. As long as we control the money and power, that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Do whatever you want. So dress the way you want. That's not that's not our, none of our business. In France, that was not the case. Even in in, uh, in Algeria, and uh, Franz Fanon, when he was talking about the French colonialism, he was saying, in fact, it's not only that they want power and they want money and they want the natural resources of the country. They want to assimilate. They want to change the very essence and the very culture of the people that they are colonizing. So it's part of the French mindset when they went to a country. But at the end of the day, if you look at uh, the end uh, uh, result of colonialism, it might be that it's less confrontational in the UK. It's more subtle, but it's still mm. there. Oh, we, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. You, you can't get to power. Islamophobia is there. We don't speak out, but we know how to deal with you. So dress the way you want. We control the way we want. Yeah. That's the reality. Oh, yeah. 
That's a very important point because I, I, I have this perception that some British Muslims or even American Muslims are very quick to say, oh, the French and racism in France, that's fine. But be careful. The visible side of the, the struggle should not uh, uh, mis. Uh, lead you in the way you are dealing with your own way of dealing with power, because at the end of the day, the end goal is the same. So, 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 so you are dealing with the same discrimination, the same oppression, the same uh, Islamophobic rhetoric, and and at the end, uh, it might be that sometimes. Let me tell you this. Frankly, that sometimes the confrontational way of doing it in France is helping the French Muslims to be aware that they have to deal with. Maybe. So you had a question for me, or, or was that just a original? <laughs> my question was this. Don't you think that, in fact, in, even though you are not dealing with the same confrontational reality, at the end, your relationship to power in British is exactly the same. You are dealing with the same issues. Okay, I'm going to say no and disagree with you. Um, on a matter of historical fact, the, the, the difference being, I mean, yes, you have a good point, but I would say there is a difference, an important yeah. difference, which explains why Britain is Britain and France is France. Uh, it's to do with 1789. It's to do with the French Revolution, where uh, before that, on the Ancien Regime, you had a Catholic church that was very much part of the French state. You had cardinals that wielded political power. The church was dominant. And, and, and it was perceived to be a great tyranny, to be unjust. It was oppressive. It was you name it, it was just awful. <laughs> and mm. thus we had a revolution in the name of the enlightenment ideals of liberty, equality, fraternity, and whatnot. And there was a mass, we had the reign of terror. The word terrorism in English, I, I think in French, comes from that time, the reign of terror. It comes from the French Republican terror, terrorizing mm. of its opponents and executing thousands, thousands of people with the guillotine in Paris and elsewhere. And the church was suppressed, literally. Uh, you know, nuns and monks and priests were executed. I mean, you know, this is a horrible, horrible, horrible story in, in France. Now, why am I saying all this? Because France, since 1789, in its DNA, has had this big problem with religion. And it's it sought yeah. to really put it in its place. Why? Because the church has been such a massive problem politically in the past. And it's yeah. gone up and down. And there have been times with the Bourbon people came back at whatever but it's been a real problem and so the solution is secularism push it into the public sorry push religion into the private domain you know this now is this the same story in the u in england no it's not yes. you know we, we, we had the so-called glorious revolution in, uh, in in the 17th century william of orange and we had the restoration and charles ii the point is that we had sort of a, a much more a different path where religion is part of the state i mean blimey the king today's king in england is the head of the church you know i mean he's anointed by the archbishop of canterbury he was a few months ago in westminster abbey mm. <laughs> um we have we have Christian schools. Uh, we have uh, prayer is public. You could have opening prayers in the House of Commons, like in the United States, even though it's secular. You have opening prayers in Congress and the Senate. Uh, in God We Trust is the name of the uh, you know the, the motto of the American secular republic. Ho ho. <laughs> um, so, so what I'm trying to say is, in England, because of our different history, different relationship with, with religion. There's been more compromise and tolerance. We've got the, the John Locke, this English philosopher, who was hugely influential on the American Constitution, uh, Declaration of Independence, where the idea we tolerate, you know, there's a religion, yes, but there's tolerance and so on and liberty. Um, so we haven't had this need to be uh, exercise terrorism, which is the French way during the reign of terror, to exercise state-sponsored terrorism to suppress religion. We've lived with it. We've grown with it. We've kind of... Uh, well, we we kind of got on with it, yeah, and that explains why I think we're much more at ease with. Our oh, I'm, 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 I completely agree with this, and I think that you are completely like right. On this. Uh, no, no, but this I, I completely agree with this on his the history, the the history and the the, the historical differences and and the way the, the the different countries were dealing with the religious presence and even the symbols and as you said, uh, you have now the the king and and even the the current king is, is sympathetic towards uh, Islam and it's ready Very to than to Very speak much. yes so so all this is true my question is not about this my question is about the current reality when it comes to our relationship with power 
the political rhetoric and the understanding of the, the way they deal with the Islamic presence uh, in the country. That's the point. The point is that you can be sympathetic towards religion, and that's fine, and we don't have a problem having, you know, the call for prayer in New York today, and, and this yeah. was decided. Okay, that's all. In London, we had a public call to prayer in East London Mosque, for example, the biggest mosque in East London. There's yeah. a public audible call to prayer, and this is a relatively new thing. Wow. Okay, that's all fine. Now, my point is dealing with power, control, politics, and the very presence of uh, Muslim citizens and Muslim British citizens. Do you see a difference in the way we are dealing with discrimination, with racism, with the fact that you can be accepted within the, 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 you know, the, the, the job market, but to a certain point? at a certain level, not beyond this. Tell me, is this is there a difference here? I don't know about the job market. Yes, there's racism here, but I, I will agree with you ultimately in terms of power. Uh, if you think of how a Muslim politician achieves preeminence politically now, give the example of uh, Hamza Youssef, not Sheikh Hamza Youssef from California, but the other Hamza Youssef, who's the head of the Scottish, Na the Scottish National Party in Scotland, obviously, and he's the, the head of he's the you know the prime minister, the first minister in Scotland. And if you didn't know that he was a self-defined Muslim, and just listen to what he said about LGBT, uh, you know, trans issues or whatever, you'd never know that he was a Muslim, <laughs> because whenever but he speaks on issues that pertain to Islamic uh, interests. He always takes the this the side of the secular liberal uh, agenda. Always, always, mm. and uh, you can blame him personally if you wish. But I think you're making you reference your point about power. I think the price, the only way Muslims can achieve power, like our mayor in London, Sadiq Khan, is mm. basically to be completely secular, and to to always take positions which are completely antithetical to basic uh, principles, which are accepted by Ijma as absolutely key to the religion so, so at one point when it comes to politics when it comes to our presence within the society if you want to succeed within your society be it in britain or in denmark or in wherever in the west you have to just to compromise on 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 the very essence of what you believe in and and that's it's maybe more subtle but it's yeah. still there everywhere no, I agree. I, I agree. But I, I still say there is a slight, there is an element of civilization. There is a space given in the public domain, which is a, which is a, the outworking of historical factors, which we've discussed. And we agree on this, which do give a different flavor. But I agree at the end result. And I think we are seeing the rise of increasingly militant secularist tendencies in the UK, as we are in America. Uh, which actually go against the historical English kind of liberal tolerance. We are seeing that being challenged a lot, moving in the French direction, actually. Uh, yeah. So I, I think um, you, you have a good point. I don't, I don't think we fundamentally disagree. I just wanted to flag up a little bit of goodness for the UK. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree, you know, I, I lived in the UK for more than 50 years, 15 years, and, and, and that's exactly my, my feeling, is that it's easier on a daily basis. And then when I was in the States, exactly the same. But uh, I don't want to be naive. I understand that daily life doesn't mean uh, this... Uh, uh, a presence which being respected to the point that you can remain who you are, believe in what you believe in, and and play an important role within the society. It's as if, in fact, you have to forget about all this if you want to be respected or having a, a political role within any country today in the West. Mm. I, I, was I was at Oxford University uh, earlier this year, and uh, a, a friend of mine there is doing postgraduate studies at Oxford. He's a, he's a Muslim. He's a, a German slash Turkish guy. I won't mention his name. He's a brilliant scholar. He's definitely going to be a professor one day, inshallah. Mm. Anyway, he showed me around the, the university, and uh, he took me to the Muslim prayer room. You think, so what? Well, the Muslim prayer room at the University of Oxford, the one I visited, is part of the the physics department at Oxford hmm. and in the, in the, the notice outside the physics department at the university of Oxford has Oxford university physics department, prayer, Muslim prayer room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you go into the physics department at Oxford, which of course is owned by the state. You know, this is not like a private institution and you have, it's blatant everywhere. This is the prayer room. And my, and my other friend of mine who's doing his PhD in physics at Oxford, he's a Muslim 
So he studies in that department, physics, then he nips downstairs to pray his prayer in the physics department area in the building. Now, my point is this, my, my, my other friend, my German slash Turkish friend says in Germany, um, this would be completely unacceptable. No way would you have a, a Muslim prayer room in a German university. And yet in, in Oxford, um, it wasn't just that it was there, but it was just everyone says, so what? So what? If Muslims want to pray, they can pray. Have a room. Yeah. What's the problem, folks? There is simply not a problem at the highest levels. Now, this is your university, sir. You're the emeritus professor um, <laughs> of contemporary Islamic studies. And, you know, and, and, and even by, by working there and, and, and uh, within the university and living in, in Britain, that's completely true. The way even, you know, the, the public space uh is welcoming the religious presence in the UK. That's something that you cannot find in so many other countries. That's completely true. Now, what I'm I'm talking about is we have to, you know, we have to uh, appreciate the fact that on a daily basis is easier, but we should not be naive as to the way uh they are dealing because at the same time you know you have your prayer room but you also have a a, a, a governmental program about prevent and, and 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 questioning your real affiliation to islam and your practicing or not so i think that all this is something which is very subtle and and this is why i think that uh uh, uh we need to get to the point to to do exactly what you did to be able to appreciate and and to 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 highlight all what is positive in our daily life without being naive about all the struggles and all the the challenges that we are facing and we have a lot and i and i would say that uh dealing very often and, and talking very often to uh, uh british muslims or american muslims very, they are very quick on you know, ah, but France, it's very difficult to say, okay, be careful, because at the end of the day, yes, on a daily basis, it's very difficult. There is this stigmat stigmatization and, and targeting the Muslims. Now you have, we have to come together uh, to understand the real political, economic, and, and cultural challenges we are going to face all of us in the West. Yeah. And one of them is the far-right parties. The second is this emotional politics and turning the West into we are the victims of this Muslim presence. We are the victims of these new migrants. We are the victims of these Muslims who don't want to integrate and they want to change the West. And, and they are starting by changing Europe and they will change the, the United States. And this rhetoric, it's, it's important for us just to, to, to yes. get and I think part of our intellectual jihad, as, as you call it, is, is to remind people, uh, and apparently few people know this, I mean, you know this, educated people might know this, is that Islam has been in Europe for centuries. In fact, from the beginning, I mean, look at Islamic Spain in, in the Iberian Peninsula. We had a flourishing <laughs> civilization there for many, many centuries, whilst the rest of Europe, the rest of Europe, not Europe, the rest of Europe was backward, you know, didn't even have public street lightings and public baths, but they yeah. did in what is now called Spain and Portugal for many, many centuries. And that triggered or helped to ignite the, what's what's called the European Renaissance in the 12th and 13th centuries. And it's not just there. We have white Muslim populations in Bosnia, for example, and, and, and other places. We've had Muslims, white Muslims for many, many centuries. Islam has always been part of Europe. Uh, and this is one of the great things that Prince, well, uh, Prince of Wales, Charles Prince of Wales, many gave many lectures on um, pointing this out, that Islam has always been part of you in a big, big way. What is new are the more recent immigrants and say, uh, in a British, in British case, from, I don't know, from Pakistan or whatever, but in terms of the historic, but there hasn't stopped this very sense of othering that you mentioned at the beginning, the sense of the Muslims being other than us Europeans, meaning white Europeans. But this simply is belied by the facts of history that uh, it, uh, Europe has always been multiracial. Never mind about the Jews, of course, who have always been mm -hmm. here as well. So it's always it's much, this part of this jihad is simply to unveil the truth, to use <laughs> a pun there, uh, to remind us, the French, the British, the Germans, whatever, of this multi-religious, multicultural reality and the hugely positive presence of Muslims in Europe in centuries past, which 
few people seem to know about other than the Prince of Wales. <laughs> yeah, but you are right. And I, and I think one of the roles that you have to play, you know, you, you came to Islam and you have this memory, you have your own culture. I know I, I would say that many, many Muslims coming from North African countries, the Middle East and, and, and Af some uh, Syrian uh, countries should get this. We need to, to, to you know, once I was with uh, uh, Benedict XVI, we had, uh, uh, when he started talking about, you know, the Muslim yeah, presence yeah. in the West and, and this was this controversy. I said exactly what you said. I said, you know what? Europe needs a dialogue with itself, exactly. not with Muslims, because at the end of the day, you don't have the past. And, and, not, and, not, and this collective amnesia is not just a, a an academic technical point. This is to do with who we are and exactly. the way we otherize people who are part of us. Exactly. Of our own history, it's not a, a, a recognition. This kind of crusader mentality is alien to another part of our history, which is the indigenization, the indigenous reality of the Muslim presence. Yes, exactly. And we need to have this kind of, you know, uh, memory, and we need to have intellectuals and scholars and convert to Islam or Muslims or people of other faiths coming to a, a, a deeper and a better understanding the European legacy, because. I started saying, you know what, Islam is a Western religion, but it's not new. It's a very old Western religion and from even from the beginning. And it's a European religion and we are part. So when you talk to me and people, you know, I studied philosophy, you know what, the only great scholar and the philosopher that you have is uh, Ibn Rushd, I've ever Look, I have less problem with Aristotle that you had for centuries because yeah. in Islamic tradition we are not we don't have this problem and we didn't have this problem. So so the point is that within the field of intellectual jihad there is this uh, legacy and memory, but there is also something which has to do with uh, contemporary issues. We have to reconcile, as you said. Uh, also, we reconcile the West, reconcile, uh, reconcile Britain and France with their own uh, 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 principles and values. The problem that I have with France is not that uh, I am against the French values, is that France is not respecting its own values. Mm -hmm. so, so the point is that we are here to reconcile, to remind you of the values that you are uh, betraying day in, day out. So, so this is the way we are changing or understanding our presence in the way which is a, a positive presence of reconciliation. This is one thing. And, and, and within the, 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 the legal field, I really think that we need to get this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I always say Islam is not a religion of peace. Islam is a religion for peace, meaning you have to struggle to get peace. Peace is the goal, is the ideal, and you are struggling for that. But, but on your way towards peace, there will be uh, uh, obstacles, resistance, and, and, and hurdles, and, and you have to, 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 to be ready for that. And sometimes my perception is that too many Muslims are obsessed with being accepted and not ready for resisting the bad and bringing something to the country. And I think that this mindset that we have of victimizing ourselves is not going to help us on the long run. We, we should be ready to, re and, and really, instead of, you know, I'm sorry, I, I, you know, about homosexuality, I say, okay, look, uh, I'm have nothing against homosexuals. I don't agree with what they do. I respect who they are. And in the name of Islam, I should be a witness by saying, no, Islam is not promoting it. And the intellectual and spiritual attitude is to say, I'm a witness here in, in Europe. And I should be able to say, what are my values shared by the Christians, shared by the Jews, shared by the Buddhists, what, you know, the Dalai Lama said about it. So let us be clear. I, actually, I didn't know what the Dalai Lama said, so I didn't realize this was a thing. Uh, well, what did he say, or should I Google it later? It's against nature. It's against nature. He, uh, so, oh, yeah, so, yes, he said, he said that, and, and, and uh, uh, people wanted him to say something else. But he <laughs> I bet they did. 
so, 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 so the point for us is is to be to to be clear on this. Is say, okay, look, uh, we respect the people. We may disagree on what they do, but our mutual respect is let us be free to say what we think and the way we deal with it, and what is required from us is to respect the people even though we don't uh, uh, agree with what they do so this position of principle uh, help us to bear witness to our message but to to be today in the name of this uh, living in the west and being accepted by our fellow citizens to 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 to, to lose all our references and and to end up not playing the role we have to play within the society it's not going to to help and it's not the way forward no. I, I think i think this is a slight element of you're, you're optimistic you said that uh, earlier on you're an optimist so i, I guess you're being cautiously optimistic, optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> a nice caveat there yeah <laughs> um well, I, i'm not so cautiously optimistic or just optimistic full stop and i think you mentioned the kind of the soft power that all are all the european states are uh, exercising and i think this is where uh, we're seeing it because th there is a concerted attempt uh, in britain uh, um certainly or obviously elsewhere to change the religion of islam so its positions on so-called lgbt and all that uh, are, are unacceptable according to the west and um and that must change from their point of view. This is a non-negotiable. And I remember I was in Berlin a few months ago, and I, I walked through the Brandenburg Gate and and um, and from the park. And just on the on the right is the British Embassy. And I thought, yeah, the British Embassy. So I go and have a look at this monstrosity. I mean, architectural monstrosity. And the only flag flying outside the British Embassy in Berlin was what the LGBT flag, the rainbow. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.